You are the voice of reason. <laughs> and that kind of terrifies me at the moment. Okay! <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. It's an even-numbered episode, so you better fasten your seatbelt and come along with us, because it's Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome, and I am one of your co-hosts, Wendy, joined as always by the lovely, the talented, the very good at editing, (laughs) Melissa. And this week, we are again joined by our special guest, Love Boat star, Charo. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's me! Yes, it's Charo is here. <laughs> no, boobs. it's not. Shut up. My boobs aren't big enough for that. Uh, it's it's me, Tanya. But, Hi. But, but you are shiny. You I, are very I, shiny. I, I do have shi- Whoa. The vest is very I'm nice. I'm drunk and doing I know it's that pretty amazing. With my shirt. <laughs> it catches the light in fascinating ways. All right. <laughs> So Tanya is with us. Tanya is here with us, and we are going to have an even-numbered episode where we talk about, (laughs) shut up, where we talk about Monty Python films. I feel like Monty Python films go with alcohol. Very well. Yeah, I feel like this is going to go okay for us. Unless we start discussing Graham Chapman, and then it will be dark. Uh, He's dead, you know. Um, so anyway, hey, Monty Python. And, and we're, yes. we've been drinking. Um, a lot. The last time you listened to us talk to Tanya, which I don't know when that was. Melissa's in charge of these things. Five weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> we were drinking a trapiche oak cask Malbec from Argentina. We, Argentina! We know how much Wendy loves to say Argentina. Argentina. It is an Argentinian Malbec. Narcanax. So um, I'm actually finishing that off. I probably shouldn't because I do need to drive home at some point. Melissa is also finishing off a little bit, but we're going to stop right there, which means by the end of the podcast, we might actually know what we're doing. <gasps> and I don't know. Did we fans. cut you off? Or you? Oh, Yo, no. I'm on water now. <laughs> I started early with Jameson and then I had a nice little beer thing. We did some pregame. Yeah. In yeah. other words. So we, um, we are kind of sauced at the moment. <laughs> Kind of. Kind of. And it is a school night, so we're so, hoping mm. to make better choices in the next hour or so. Oh, we won't. We know this. So, you know, Monty Python. Yeah. This is this is a, a subject I'm surprised we got so far into our podcast without really discussing. And over a year. Over yeah. a year of podcasting and we haven't talked about Monty Python. What the actual fuck? And now for something completely different. And a trout. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listeners. Uh, if you would like to partake in a little bit of alcohol poisoning, you (laughs) could drink every time we quote Monty Python. Oh, Jesus. We don't recommend that. Nope. Because Uh -uh. that might make us liable for some sort of manslaughter or shit. (laughs) Um, so anyway, we're gonna, but just, you know what? Fuck you. You know you're doing it too. So quote along at home. We're all gonna have a good time. Okay. For those of you who do not know what Monty Python (gasps) is... (laughs) 
Those people don't exist. <laughs> nobody, nobody like I'm that sorry. listens I'm sorry. to us. I'm like, shh, 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 shh. It, it could be possible. It could be nobody possible. Nobody like that would listen to us. Aliens can come down from Mars and could discover okay, okay, okay. our podcasts and we'd have to explain Monty Python Are we broadcasting? Them. Do we broadcast? Because if we could broadcast, we, this could go out to the stars. We could hit, could we, could we send this through um, Bridget Landry and she could get us hooked up with Curiosity Oh my God! We could be drunk women on Mars. We could be drunk women on. We could be drunk. D R O N K drunk women on Mars talking about Monty Python. You know what so, I love is that Bridget Landry is going to show up in the show notes. <laughs> Bridget Landry, thank you for the chronically uninitiated. No, for the the person who may have come from. Finland. I, well, I know Mars, somebody. Who hey, we know somebody from Finland. We know somebody from Finland. Don't we, we do. Yeah, you have a listener from Finland. Yeah, I have, I have a few. They're, I know somebody from Sweden. Philip, there. Hi, Philip. Hi. Do Philip. you listen? I don't know if you do. I hope, I hope so. you do. I hope so. I like but, him. But you know, there, there is. And Hannah. Hi, Hannah. There is always a risk that we could be talking to somebody who does not know Monty Python. It is actually possible, yes. although highly improbable. No, no. But it is Sherlock possible. Holmes has told us that. You know the whole thing with whatever problem. Oh yeah, yeah, the Occam's razor thing. It yeah. could it could always be somebody's first episode encountering this sort of thing. That's true. It's true. It's absolutely true <gasps> because the, 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 we're old because they might be yes. young. And let's face it, Monty Python's Flying Circus started in 1969, which predates me and me. And yeah. yeah, so Monty Python was oh a six-person comedy troupe in Britain. In the late 60s, early 70s, going into the 80s. Did so, it last a long? How many years, how many years was it? They, oh, yeah. Well, Monty Python's Flying Circus started in 1969, and they made movies through the early 80s. I think yeah. 1983, 1984 yeah, was Yeah, but how long was Flying Circus on? Flying Circus was on four years. It lasted 45 episodes. I know every single fucking line of it. Yes, she does. I do. So it is... The the TV show lasted for four years, and then they made a series of movies afterwards. And the six-person comedy troupe was John Cleese, Eric Idle, Michael Palin, Terry Jones, Terry Gilliam, Graham, Graham Chapman. It's like naming the seven dwarves. You always have to, yeah, you you always have to be like, wait, wait, yeah. what, 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 yeah. what? The dead one. Yeah. <laughs> the one I always forget is Terry Jones because, well. I forget Michael Palin. Terry Jones is great. Yeah. My, my, How do you forget him? He's adorable. No, no. I don't forget his face. I forget his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. So, that's like, right. when I'm naming, he's he's the one that I... Like, yeah, the two shit. Terrys are easy because yeah, you know are, yeah. there are two Terrys. But, yeah. Uh, Terry Thomas. Six, <laughs> Terry Thomas. It has to just erupt from us at some point <laughs> he, in the episode. He, he's not in Mighty Python. Not in Mighty no. Python. But, no, the, the, the six men kind of de- redefined comedy in the early 70s because yeah. what, what Monty Python did was they kind of took sketch comedy from the sketch comedy era and devised a way to make it viable without a punchline well what happened yeah okay i actually wrote a paper on this in college sweet as a a theater major it was uh the title of the paper was um uh 
do, 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 waiting ad infinitum because it was a paper on absurdist theater and it was all about the birth of absurdism and how that played out through popular culture because absurdism came about in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, late 50s, it was uh, it was a natural result of World War II. World War II and the horror that caused that was the result and then the living with with the aftermath of that horror and so absurdist um the absurdist viewpoint was kind of a refraction of the nihilistic viewpoint of this doesn't make sense life is horrible do do we all understand that that this is not something that you can wrap your head around life is absurd it Mm -hmm. doesn't actually make any sense and you can try to make it make sense but it doesn't and it's bullshit to try to put a narrative on this that wraps it up with a bow and gives you a happy ending because that doesn't happen so you had Waiting for Godot with Beckett, and you had Ionesco, who is French, who had a much lighter touch, which I actually enjoy more. It's more comedic. So actually, if you read Ionesco, you can see the beginning strains of Monty Python, mm-hmm. because you can't make sense of Monty Python unless you first understand the absurdist theater movement, which came right before it, which that strong strain of, but it doesn't make sense. And there, it, it doesn't resolve. It never resolves. There isn't an ending. It isn't Pat. You're never going to get you're never going to get resolution to this. And it's a very dark viewpoint. And yet some of the best comedy of the era came out of that because, well, we all recognize it the minute that it happens. And even though it's frustrating, we're like, oh, shit, that's totally my life. (laughs) It's so true. I can't handle it. So, yeah, um, I have a deep and abiding love for Monty Python because I have a deep and abiding love for absurdist theater. Once I finally understood it, the problem with absurdist theater is when you first encounter it, it pisses you off. Oh, it's absolutely true. The first time I watched Monty Python, I was in middle school and I wasn't prepared for the fact that it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I was still... I it was my first exposure to that and I was just like what the actual fuck is this shit and I can't handle it it does not have a conclusion and but very quickly I was surrounded by nerds who were like-minded we were the type of people who would write each other notes that just quoted song lyrics and we were all in love with Mexican radio the Mm -hmm. song Mm -hmm. do we all remember that song I'm on a Mexican radio, radio, and so I want to be in Tijuana, eating barbecued iguana. And so we would we would draw little vignettes from these songs and from popular songs, and we would just our notes were nothing but random pop cultural references. So some of us watched Monty Python and were okay with the weirdness, and some of us were like, that's really fucking weird, but then the people who, they were our gateway and we were already mm-hmm. kind of doing weird shit, and they're like, well, if you like Mexican radio, mm-hmm. how do you not like Monty Python? And so then I found myself quoting Dinty Moore Stew, mm-hmm. and then suddenly I was a Monty Python fan. It, it, it's, you know, leading to the harder drugs. It's true. <laughs> it, it it's a gateway drug. Ladies and gentlemen, Mexican Radio by Wall of Voodoo. Thank you. My introduction to them was a little bit different. The first thing I saw of them was actually Holy Grail. Oh, God, that's jumping oh, into the deep yeah. end. No, no, wait. No, it wasn't. It was it was Life of Brian. Sorry. I saw okay. Holy Grail second. I was I, I get the titles mixed up, but I know which movie I'm talking about. The one about the fake Jesus. <laughs> Jesus analog. Yeah. Anyways, so Life of Brian, which... 
among their movies has one of the most complete stories. Yes. And it's also true. because I was very versed in the religion, I knew where it was going. I was getting all the references. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And then I watched Holy Grail and I was like, what the fuck? Where did you put my plot? <laughs> you know what's hilarious? <laughs> that is so, that peculiar Venn diagram of science fiction nerd in the early 80s mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. i grew up religious but i'm not really religious but i go to the renaissance festival and I read <laughs> lord of the rings so on the one hand life of brian is hilarious but holy grail pisses me off <laughs> wait which is phenomenal because life uh, or uh, holy grail is a really great it's, depiction of medieval times it is it it's is one of the factual most factual like historians have been like they did it right yeah they he must be a he must be a king how do you know he's not covered in shit <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, the, the 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 visual depiction of what the middle ages looked like filthy is, and muddy and yeah, horrible yeah and, and just kind of simplistic it well, is right down the middle of the strike zone it is right there it has been too long since i've watched Holy Grail. I might need to fix that tomorrow. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really phenomenal. It's it's great. Okay. And and then there's comedy. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. We might have to edit this into the appropriate part. Yeah. Do you want to know what my there are two things that I love in Holy Grail that I wait for with bated breath. Okay. Like when we watched Boondock Saints and my husband was uh -huh. running to fix the pizza, but I'm like, "Honey, honey, honey, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it." There no. There was, was a fire fight. Right. For me in Holy Grail, there are two moments. The one is when, is it John Cleese? It's John Cleese. And he's running towards the castle. <laughs> and the guards. And then they just shoot. And he's still way back from the same spot. Huh. And then suddenly, boom, he's right there. Cracks my shit up. That's funny. But what's even funnier is the monks in the street scene. Smack! Smack! Now, do we all agree on what's the funniest part about that? It's when the one monk in the middle, after smacking himself, sort of stumbles off to the side <laughs> like he's given himself yeah. a fucking concussion. <laughs> I wait for that moment where he just sort of lists a little bit to the side, but then keeps going. I'm like, that's comedy right there, people. I, oh God, the, the, I the, the part that. that wrecks me every time is, yay. <laughs> My yeah. senior year, we, there were about... 15 of us that were pretty much the kids in the AP classes. So we had like six classes a day with each other. Yeah. And it became became one of the guys' um, goal by the end of senior year to have us watch at least some part of Monty Python in every single one of our classes. And he did it. Good job. Including calculus. <laughs> Good job. Nice. And it was fucking fantastic it's true the, the the thing that fascinates me about monty python which i think becomes relevant in bringing it up you know however many decades later is that every generation rediscovers monty python and they feel yeah. like fucking marco polo 
because... Oh my God, there are Chinese people here. Yeah, there are... There are <laughs> well, that too. No. <laughs> well, fake Chinese people. But anyway, <laughs> teenagers of every generation, mostly theater nerds, let's admit yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. They go in and they find Monty Python and they connect with it. And it doesn't matter how many decades down the road it happens because Monty Python is strangely timeless. Because of their absurdist approach to the way they deliver their humor, they did not rely on topics yes. of the day. They did not. I mean, there are, there are occasional things like their Brian Phelps jokes, but mostly they go back to, you know, classic literature or they go back to things that endure over decades to make their humor upon. The large. The large. Oh, come and on, the Institute of Silly Walks well, will yeah, always yeah, be funny. Will that not it, be it's, funny? It's infinite. And and the the thing is, is that makes their comedy evergreen. Yeah. And and so generations after generations keep rediscovering their humor and take it as their own. And that is why we can continually populate Renaissance festivals with new talent. <laughs> master's thesis that is my master's thesis and i'm sticking to it okay i'm gonna briefly reference what i'm probably gonna use as my pleasure dome recommendation this week the unbreakable kimmy schmidt is making me so happy right now (laughs) and it ties directly back to 30 rock which ties all the way back to monty python which is so much of what i love about loved about 30 rock and i love about kimmy schmidt is the throwaway absurdist like throwaway comments like in Kimmy Schmidt there's a point where her roommate's just like we still don't know why you're terrified of Velcro and he throws some Velcro and he like makes a Velcro sound she's like ah and smacks him and runs away <laughs> and that's all you ever find out <laughs> <laughs> and I love that so much and it like and in 30 Rock the way they would do random shit with Kenneth <laughs> and where you eventually discovered that Kenneth was immortal did we all did we oh, all yeah. pay attention to that yeah that was hilarious shit <laughs> right and but it was just something that like if you were paying attention it was way over on the sideline god bless you monty python because that's what you gave us you gave us i'm just gonna throw in this random piece of shit that's not gonna tie to anything it doesn't make sense i don't have to prove it i don't have to justify it it's just there fuck you or this you, parrot is dead. Or if you go into the podcast zone, I think uh, Welcome to Night Vale mm-hmm. yes. owes a lot to Monty Python as much as it owes to H.P. Lovecraft yes. and yeah. his ilk. It's that blending of absurdist theater and horror. Mm-hmm. Well, and that specific type of horror, which is Lovecraft. Yes. Yeah. Which that, is not the boo jump scare you. It's the, the, the there's lurking, a creeping dread. The, the lurking unknown. Humans are not allowed to enter the dog park. Dogs are not allowed in the dog park. Do not pay attention to the cloaked figures in the dog park. What's that, Erica? (laughs) 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 All right. So let's actually talk about Monty fucking Python. So so Python. Um, Started in the 60s um, when they were all college guys. Half of them were at Oxford. Half of them were at Cambridge. And then, Did Eric Idle go to both schools? <laughs> Eric, <laughs> Eric Idle. <laughs> he is no, motherfucking he, everywhere. He was at Cambridge, but he wasn't. Wait a part- minute, what? <laughs> Idle was at Cambridge. 
Okay. Um, okay. Oxford was jo- uh, Terry Jones and Michael Palin. Cambridge was John Cleese and Chapman. Those were like the two main writing teams. And then Idol also happened to be at Cambridge, but he kind of got looped in later. Well, he was much more the musical star. Yeah. Yeah. Because all then- of the great music that you hear in Monty Python, and it is fucking good music. And I'm well, talking about the, the specifically the musical theater numbers. Well, yeah. Well, it's Idol and it's Neil Ennis. Yes. yes. Yeah. Because Neil, Neil Ennis, who came from the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Because I love, uh, in The Meaning of Life, the song oh, about the, the universe. Yes. Yeah. So and, and then Terry Gilliam, who came from America. From Minnesota. <laughs> How did he hook up with them? Uh, he was in New York, and I... Oh God, I can't remember how he wound up with them but in there were several tv series that they all kind of worked on leading up to monty python's flying circus which happened from 1969 to 1973 um there were things like the frost report and it lasts the 1948 show and do not adjust your set um there were two shows primarily that brought them all together the first one was at last the 1948 show which was graham chapman john cleese and eric idle and then on the other side, there was Do Not Adjust Your Set, which was Eric Idle, Terry Jones, Michael Palin, and Terry Gilliam in the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. So, in Idle being kind of the linking part between the two. Hey, but but Gilliam, you guys should get together with you guys. Yeah, but Gilliam was doing animation bits for Do Not Adjust Your Set. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a couple of other TV shows. Because he did all the animation bits for... Yes. For Python. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So... After that, that's when they kind of united and started to do Monty Python's Flying Circus. It's it's interesting watching both Do Not Adjust Your Set and at last the 1948 show because you can see the DNA starting to come together in those two separate shows. Because they're, they're sketch comedy. There are actually some sketches that became python lore afterwards like the yorkshireman sketch you know the guy is all sitting around well i lived in a shoebox in the middle of the road and i ate hot asphalt and and all that that came from one of those shows (laughs) (laughs) and 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 dear listeners um before we recorded this podcast i showed both wendy and tanya a sketch like my favorite sketch from at last 1948 show which involves marty feldman from you know, young Frankenstein and various other Mel Brooks things. Um, and Graham Chapman and John Cleese and another guy, I can't remember whose name, but the four of them sitting all dressed identically going, I am a chartered accountant. I am a chartered accountant too. I am also a chartered chartered accountant. accountant. And then John Cleese on the end, I am a gorilla (laughs) and it's brilliant. And I will link it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, stuff like that, you can see the seeds of Python starting. And it's very interesting in that, like the Yorkshireman sketch, you know, the one with the, the rich guy sitting around, I lived in a shoebox in the middle of the road. It's weird because they use that sketch again in their Python years, like in the um, Live at the Hollywood Bowl movie. Yes. But it seems weird amongst the stuff that they wrote as Python because it's one of the few sketches that has a punchline. Ah. Yeah. And, and, and because you get used to the pace, 
the rhythm of a Monty Python episode that right at the moment when something should be resolving, we're just going to go to something else. Yeah, they they figured out a way in Monty Python's Flying Circus to just move on. You don't have to punch it up. You find the humor in the sketch. You don't have to cap it with anything. You just move on. And it's just a stream of consciousness. And and Gilliam was an instrumental part of that in, you know, finding these linking animations to draw you from plotline to plotline. But very rarely do you ever find a punchline in Monty Python. Yeah, and which is why it's so quotable. Yeah. Because yeah. the entire sequence becomes delightful in and of itself. So you don't need to quote the punchline. You want to quote the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> oh, 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 Monty Python. Dicks. <laughs> Are you saying that Python Monty equals Python snakes equals yes! Monty Python equals snakes equals penises? Oh no! What? Monty Python showed penises. They, they were did. not afraid of the penis. They were not afraid of the now, penis. Now, and we that's have true. had a discussion about this about how afraid of the penis we are. So that's pretty okay. Yeah. See, mm. that's why I brought it up. It's relevant. Oh yes, Graham Chapman. Full, Full on. on. Yeah. Full on out there in Life of Brian, dear listeners. But, you know, reeling it back into Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yeah, I feel like your... we saw their buttocks. In... A lot. There were a lot of buttocks. There were a lot of buttocks, definitely in uh, Holy Grail. Yes. Yeah. Right? Didn't he waggle his buttocks over the wall when mm -hmm, he was being mm -hmm. French? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yes, it's true. I told them we don't have one. I told them we have one. <laughs> Fetche la vache. Fetche la vache. That's a... how we got it into French class. I have... I have a t-shirt that says Feche la vache with a little cow. <laughs> it, is, it is too small for me, but I bought it at the premiere of Spamalot nice. in London. And it is, I've never fit into it, but I still have it. We could, we could, we could like do something like with that, fix right? It. Yeah. Like we could cut out that part and like, like put it on a t-shirt and do some like, uh, embroidery. Know. Yeah. <laughs> no, we could do some DIY shit with that. <laughs> Feche yeah. la vache. Boing. Boing. I told them we already have one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we should actually like... Yeah, talk about movies. Python. Shut up. What? So yeah. It so, was a tie. <laughs> so Monty Python's Flying Circus, we won't go too much into it because it's a TV show and this is a movie podcast. And also there's a fucking lot of Monty yeah, Python. There, there, there are 45 episodes and I know that. Plus a German episode, which of, I love. Of course you do. Does I, the yes. German episode have the, the funniest... Uh, joke in the world. I can't remember, but there are sketches in the German episode that aren't in the rest of Python. I, I remember watching it and it was like discovering a whole, it was like discovering America for me. It was like, <laughs> like there's Python I haven't seen. That, that actually great. is a big deal for Melissa, by the way. It, it really is. It really is. What Side was the note. Yes, go ahead. Side note. There, there is a story about Monty Python doing, I think it was while they were producing the German episode of Flying Circus, where they were shipped over to Germany and they were, you know, doing like the press tour tourism thing. Like they, they took them to Auschwitz oh, to tour Auschwitz and the, the oh, team God. arrived just as Auschwitz was closing for the day. Uh oh. And so they, they arrive at the gates and um, the people running the Auschwitz place were saying, no, we're closing. And so the guy who was who had taken 
the python guys all the way across the country to see Auschwitz said no 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 you wait in here wait inside the car I will fix this we'll we'll get the tour don't worry so they you know stay put and then you know the PR guy goes to talk to the Auschwitz guys and it turns into kind of this back and forth no 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 we'll fix this and he keeps going back and trying to you know talk their way into Auschwitz Graham Chapman never was it so hard to get into Auschwitz Graham Chapman rolls down the window and he says Tell them we're Jews. <laughs> I picked the wrong time to, to take a sip of wine. <laughs> and that's why I love Graham Chapman so much. That is so inappropriate. Oh, Tell them we're Jews. <laughs> that's how you get into fucking Auschwitz, motherfuckers. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so isn't that great? It's so awful and wonderful. Oh. <laughs> I can even picture his face. I can picture his face with the little Arthur crown slightly yes! askew as he leans out the window. Tell them we're Jews. All right, what was the first Monty Python movie? The was first it Holy Grail? No, 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 no. It was. It was, like it was and, and now for something completely different, which oh, was, duh, yeah, which was uh, basically 1971. Yeah, 1971, and it was basically a compilation of Monty Python sketches from uh, Flying Circus, done bigger budget as a movie. Okay. So kind, of, it was like an extended yeah. Monty Python episode, which I kind of love. You know, it was it was. What's not to like? Yeah, it's it's solid. It, it's what they did best, and you know it was done with a little bigger budget, and it was it flowed nicely. It was very funny. Uh, boop, boop. Yeah, but then uh, 1975 is what brought us Holy Grail. Yeah, I thought because Holy Grail was before Life of Brian. I yes. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Life of Brian was 1979. I did not see um, Holy Grail until 1985 or six. As I've already mentioned, when um, the first time I saw it, my incredibly amazing, wonderful English literature teacher, Mrs. Jones at North Kansas City High School, we just finished the Arthurian legend uh, unit of English literature. And she said, if you stick around tonight, I will show you a movie. And so I stayed after school and she showed us Holy Grail. <laughs> And I had her for all of my English classes because anytime she taught an English class, I signed up for it because I loved her. And it meant that when I took my when I took my exam and I, I totally aced it. Right. Because I loved that class. And she wrote at the top. Neat. <laughs> point. I'm like, I love it. I love it so much. But I was, but that was the first time I watched it. We had just read Arthurian legend. You think I would have been okay with the fact that, you know, there isn't an ending because mm -hmm. that's true of Arthurian legend. It just sort of peters out. Well, and it's also true of Monty Python. You know, it, it's, the, yeah, but they I never didn't... have a punchline. Yeah. But you still, you can't help but want close. I mean, well, yeah. When did Excalibur come out? I made... Excalibur came out in like 1981. I had already seen Excalibur. Yeah. So I had gotten a fucking ending. Mm. Yeah. And it had and Excalibur, Helen Mirren in it. Ooh. Excalibur is fucking yeah. gold, man. It's oh. oh, it's so fucking good. It's true. And so I'm watching Holy Grail and I'm giggling and I'm loving it. But at the same time, I'm like, and then it gets to the end. And I'm like, but, but they were so close. The castle was right there. They could have gotten the, 
Grail, what? I don't understand. <laughs> I hate this. I love it. I hate it. I love it. What? I had a very similar reaction to Holy Grail the first time I saw it. You know, I like loved everything until the end. It's like, oh. I, and then they and, get carted away by the police. They get away by the police. I, I looked for a second second VHS. I Because, I, you know, when you go to Blockbuster, they used to have, like, they would have two VHSs, and occasionally, like, if it was a really long, like, Dr. Zhivago, they would have two, and, like, so sometimes they would get separated at the store because you get mm-hmm. a really shitty store. And I was like, shit, where's the second movie? Like, <laughs> did they not give it to me? What the fuck? This isn't the ending, is yeah, it? Yeah, what the fuck? Okay, they go to jail. How? What? Well, they, I mean, it, and it came But they in, kept flashing back to the poor historian's I wife. Know. And the, the police investigation. I should have known that's what was happening. Well, yeah. At the time I came to Holy Grail, I'd already had this really deep knowledge of Flying Circus. And still, that ending pissed me off. <laughs> Is there anybody who hasn't been pissed off by it? Like, I don't it, know. Was that their purpose? Because I know sometimes, like, maybe it's the Dadaist and the Surrealist. And- I feel like it, it taps into the Jungian yeah, need yeah, yeah. for closure because the Arthurian legend is so deeply ingrained in our need for heroes and for a salvation and a mm-hmm, savior mm-hmm. mythology that when you when you get to the end and then they go fuck you there is no ending which is actually very true to a lot of the Arthurian legends yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but when they go nah we're not actually going to end it you're left hanging you're like give me my fucking redemption you asshats <laughs> <laughs> And it pisses you off. I don't know about this, but I feel like the fact that all three of us were pissed at it <laughs> says something. Yeah, I, I, now, yeah. it's grown on me since, clearly, because it's oh, my absolute yes, favorite. Yes, yes. So, yeah, anyway. I don't know. I, I think my favorite now is Life of Brian. No, I, Holy I Grail will always really... be my favorite because it is now crossed over, you mm. see, that as the Tolkien nerd, as the fan of you know, epic fantasy literature, that's the one that just most goes ringing my bell. I'm just... <laughs> well, they're, 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 the, the bits. nights with the cloppy, cloppy, cloppy. That cracks me up. The bits are so good. I mean, it, it, it's like every single little scene is gold. I will I will. And the songs are great. Oh, yes. Knights of the Round Table. table. We'll dance wherever able. Do routines and chorus scenes and impersonate Clark Gable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it what every time the one the one quote princess starts to sing. Nope, nope, nope. Stop that. Cut that off. Stop it. Oh yes, Jesus. He's a prince. You will marry with the huge tracts of, of land. land. See? Yep. See, I think I think I want to recast that with Brian Blessed though. <laughs> that would be okay. I'd be all right with that. And Eddie Izzard has to be a part. <gasps> oh, oh fuck yeah. yeah! Eddie Izzard is like the the unsung. Python, I feel like I think. Eddie Izzard could pick up Graham Chapman's mantle mm. very well. I feel like he would do very well with yeah. the scene with the Black Knight. Look you, you haven't any limbs left. And he would look at him with that disgusted sort of crown askew, sort of, I can't even deal with you. Do you even? <laughs> like, Graham Chapman was trying to even before anybody evened. Well, well Eddie Izzard has that combination of timing that 
Python had combined with that sharp knowledge of history and literature and, and I think <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he has the way to weave things through too yeah. because what uh, one of the things that I love about Python is the way they'll do something r- that you think is random at the beginning and then like half of it'll p- peak up like 15 minutes later and you'll be like oh that was the th- was that the thing and then like they'll really punch it home at the end and like you can follow it sort of through mm-hmm. and and he does that very well as well it's true do you have a flag <laughs> no flag no... <laughs> no flag no country according to the rules i just made up <laughs> you know as i stated earlier my favorite Python movie at this point is Life of Brian. Shirley Bassey. Well, well, like fake Shirley Bassey. Well, no, it, it, it was, was her. No, it wasn't actually. Really? I did look this up, oh. and it was not Shirley I Bassey. Swore for the longest it was time somebody it was her. impersonating Shirley Bassey. Jesus, it's true. It's true. I can't handle this. My brain is melting. I know, right? But yeah, Life of Brian is like all the comedy bits uh, all the classic comedy bits of holy grail with this laser aligned focus of going after religion mm-hmm. <laughs> and that whole area of history and once I, again historically accurate history oh it and it's, it's fantastic the the depiction of roman life at that point in time and the i'm not sure they had yeah. transsexuals though I want you all to call me Loretta. I'm pretty sure they existed. <laughs> well, yeah, I, they I mean, existed. Well, this is Rome. This is the Roman Empire, honey. Yeah, but that but that means, okay, let us also be honest about the reality of gender politics. Mm-hmm. This is the Roman Empire. You would never give up masculine privilege to become a woman. True. True. I want you all to call me Loretta. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> I love the bit about Judean people's front and all the... The people's front of Judea. People's front of Judea. I like it. Honestly, I like it when he gets sucked up into the alien spacecraft. <laughs> I like that part. That, the bizarro interlude. I like that part a fucking lot. Yeah, I saw Life of Brian when I was deciding that I was not going to be religious anymore. <laughs> and I was just like, Yes. I was raised Pentecostal. Do we all know this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Know this. So, like, seriously, like, tambourines, you know, lots of church hymns. My mother spoke in tongues. I was baptized, fully closed, in a tub of water. I that love my thing. mother, though. Oh, don't wear anything clean. We're going to have to wash it anyway. <laughs> God, God bless you, Mom. So here I am raised in this, like, Pentecostal upbringing and then the divorce and then various things. And then like life of Brian was probably a seminal moment of, huh, we're making fun of Jesus. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I'm going to keep going this direction. (laughs) Monty Python, you've, you've clearly, you're a gateway drug and um, Neil deGrasse Tyson thanks you or something. <laughs> yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson's a fucker because he said Pluto's right. not a planet. Bah. Okay, well, he's wrong about that. Um, so after... But, but after Life of Brian, we have Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl. 
Yes, which, which is, is fantastic. Which is really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a live concert film where they went to the Hollywood Bowl, and in 1981, mm-hmm. 1982, something like that, and they they did a live show. What were it they was, doing when they weren't making movies? Because these uh, I, movies did not come out that often. I think some of them were doing solo projects, maybe. Yeah, Gilliam was drawing. He did Jabberwocky. That's what it was. He directed and designed Jabberwocky. It is nearly one in the morning. Oh, fuck. Okay, get us on track, Melissa. Okay, so Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl, 1982. Yeah. Live concert film that we started talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. You pre-gamed. It's not my fault. Hey, I'm mostly sober now. So. I'm not. (laughs) So it's. It is a fun concert movie. You know, they went over to mm-hmm. California. They did a live show. Um, they did their usual Python stuff with kind of breaking the fourth wall. There there were sketches where they run out into the audience. They're running over portions of the audience, like walking over people. If you've seen Xanadu, they actually are in the Hollywood Bowl for one brief scene. Are they? Yeah. Hmm. When they're drinking champagne... And uh, they're talking about her sisters. How they're, does that relate to Monty Python? They're in the Hollywood fucking bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Xanadu. Everything relates back to Xanadu. <laughs> Go on. But yeah, the, 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 uh, was it the travel agency sketch is where yeah. they go rampaging off into the audience and running off and there there was a whole series of live shows that they were doing at this point there um there are various albums that have portions of their live shows there's a brilliant recording of them doing the dead parrot sketch one night where they decided they didn't want to do the dead parrot sketch one night so john cleese goes up and says i have a complaint well what's wrong with the bird well it's dead well i'll give you a refund and that is it (laughs) They left the stage. That was the end of the sketch. Um, stuff like that. It was, it was lovely. Dear listeners, if you have not encountered the albums of Monty Python, oh, the a albums whole are brilliant. Series them. of them. Um, they're fantastic. There are sketches on the albums that you have never seen portrayed on uh, Flying Circus or any of the films before. Um, there are things like um, the album Matching Tie and Handkerchief, which, first of all, came with a matching tie and handkerchief, but also had three sides to it. It was an LP, so the first side was pressed like a regular LP album, regular vinyl album. The other side had two sets of grooves on it. So depending where you set the needle... <gasps> it would play a different set of sketches. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know, right? There, there, all sorts of crazy stuff that they do for their albums. And um, many, many years ago, there was like a box set that you could buy of all of their albums together. It was fantastic stuff. I think I bought Great. it for somebody as a friend. We ended yeah. up singing "I Like Traffic Lights" all that summer. I like traffic lights. Uh, yeah, and then it goes on. But forever. only if the <laughs> yeah, the the albums brought the joy of the um 
the the being eaten by a crocodile competition (laughs) and which i love there's also the record review where eric idol is rattling off ridiculous names for bands and one of them is toad the wet sprocket which is where toad Toad the the wet Wet sprocket got their name uh yeah, fantastic stuff. Well, I, I know many, many, many more euphemisms for dick because of Monty Python. <laughs> like which? Like, uh, <laughs> Willie or John Thomas. Uh, <laughs> Hooray for, for your, your wallet, wallet trouser snake. snake. <laughs> your piece of pork, your wife's best friend, your pussy or your cock. You can wrap it up in ribbons or you can you slip, slip it, it in, in your sock. <laughs> don't, don't take it out in public or they'll stick you in the dock and you won't come back. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Speaking of which, meaning of life is the next one of this. Yeah. Yay! I saw Meaning of Life in the theaters. 1983. <gasps> oh, oh my god. Wow. I did. And when when the the whole opening sequence with the uh with the fiduciary fiduciary bank oh, uh, the crimson that, permanent assurance. You. Crimson permanent yes, assurance. Yes. Thank you. Oh my god, I was I was in heaven. I love that sketch. Oh, so it's I did you. <laughs> That that w- that is some of the best Gilliam. That that twenty minute Crimson Permanent Assurance pirate sketch is. I saw that movie with my best friend in middle school, Pam Hintz, mm-hmm. and we quoted it incessantly at each other. Um, in particular, the death scene got a lot of quoting. There was mm-hmm. the um, uh, Waffer Thin. Just that, because the rest of it was gross. Yeah. Um, We quoted that incessantly. Also, it was the chocolate mousse. Salmon mousse. Salmon mousse. Pardon me. Ooh, how embarrassing. Salmon mousse. How embarrassing. It was the salmon mousse. Um, And the machine that goes ping, ping, ping. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie. My boyfriend has a terror of that movie. (gasps) Because he's terrified that people will come to his house and harvest his organs. <laughs> because of the because of the organ harvesting. But didn't scene. he listen to the song? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the, my favorite Eric Idle song ever is it from The is. Meaning of Life. It's yeah. So gorgeous. The Galaxy song. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that song. It's well, and the, the other classic favorite from that movie. Every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is great. My friend and I did not even really understand what a French tickler was, but boy, we quoted that part. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's it's Christmas in heaven. And yeah, the, that whole thing. And well, and, and, and then do you know what? Do you know what we quoted the most often? Is about to die. <laughs> it was the most random thing. Do you? know where the fishy is <laughs> fishy, fishy 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 i know where the fishy is it went wherever i, I did go. go and that is what we quoted the most <laughs> I, it is the best it's so fucking random we latched on the random shit and we're just like well i don't even know what that is <laughs> so okay so there's this show now called the cat in the hat that's on pbs Somebody in the fishy sketch wears this. They've got the weird arm things. Mm-hmm. I cannot watch the cat in the hat without thinking about the damn fish sketch. <laughs> because the cat in the hat has the, it's like the tuxedo thing that they're wearing in the fishy sketch. Yeah, I and think it, that was Terry Jones with the arm. But it freaks me the fuck out every time I see the damn cat in the hat because I'm thinking about the fish. 
True. True fact. Yeah. There was a lot of sex in that movie. Yeah. Because that was the that was the John Cleese instructing it. The, you oh, give the, her a kiss, man. <laughs> yes, with the with the don't go just diving for the clitoris. <laughs> and the the, 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 the bed, the four poster bed, the four poster bed that comes out, and, and, and they're like <laughs> they're demonstrating sex, and all the all the kids are just like, oh god, not again. <laughs> god, Jesus, so, so boring. Bored. School is so terrible. Blah. And and the you know man who has chosen his own method of death, being yes. chased off a cliff by a horde of topless women. <laughs> I love hey, I love yeah. that movie too. The, the women are wearing protective gear. They, they are. are. They you know are they got okay. their They've little got the helmets, helmets, and the, and the knee pads and the elbow pads. Yep, they're yeah. good. You'd think they'd have a little bit more support. Yeah, it, that part always bothered me. I was like, doesn't that hurt? Like, ow, 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 yeah. ow, ow, Yeah. But, uh, well, at least they, they were in slow it, motion. So. Yeah, that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the sound of boobs. It is. <laughs> is it now? <laughs> I've never heard that from my boobs. Maybe I'm not well endowed enough. <laughs> what is that? What is that noise again? <laughs> How do you spell that? It's got a J. Okay, got it. It's got a B it. and some J's and some <laughs> I feel like that's very obvious. <laughs> Any, any woman with large breasts is like, yes, that's how you spell it. <laughs> okay, what okay. came after? Well, well, Meaning of Life was the last official Python film. There were a few like live performances yeah. hmm. that they did later. You know, especially recently, they've kind of yeah, started getting back together. they are trying and, to... I don't know Like in the wake of it. Spamalot. Yeah, they... they well, no, they've... Uh, they were talking about that they were actually going to do a show, a TV show, yeah, in Britain. But I haven't seen anything come of that, right? But they were doing the talk show circuit. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, we all know they made a Broadway musical, a yeah, West End would... musical, which became a Broadway musical. Well, it was not a West End musical; it was a musical in Chicago. It was off Broadway. Really? Yeah, it started in Chicago. Okay, I, I wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah, no, they, it started in Chicago with like Hank Azaria and Hank Azaria, and, uh, Yay! Uh, um, um, the uh, the guy from uh, the guy from Frasier, no, Kelsey uh, Niles, Niles. Oh, no, um, David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce and that whole cast. And I think Tim Curry was still King Arthur then. <gasps> but yeah, Tim but Curry. but um, when I went to the UK in two thousand six. That was when it opened in the West End. It was after it had played in Chicago and on Broadway for a while that it finally opened in England. And um, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I accidentally wound up at the premiere of Spamalot in the UK. Tim Curry was still playing King Arthur at that point, but Hank Azaria was no longer part of the cast. David Hyde Pierce was there in, in at the performance, but he wasn't playing anything in, in the performance. Eddie Izzard was there. And like four of the six members of Python were there along with Carol Cleveland, who was the woman who played most of the actual women on flying circus. Um, yeah, it was, it was, quite a hell of a thing so it yeah spamalot was this huge hit 
it's and based on yeah it's, it, based, it's based primarily on holy grail, on holy grail but yeah. it does incorporate some of their other stuff it it, it 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 incorporates like some of their random sketches there's a lot of new material there's um completely random music that's really really new and it's a lot of fun it it is a fantastic show it's a great time what's not to like yeah I, I, seriously and and tim curry as king arthur was a delight <laughs> but he was great he was awesome yeah okay so what's what about after spamalot let's wrap this up seriously well, it's well, one in the morning well spamalot i mean i mean there was a lot of stuff in between the end of the movies and spamalot because you had all of these movies that happened that had more than one python member of and you know first of all you have the career of terry gilliam as a director because he often recycled you know people from the python cast because you had brazil and with michael palin showing up and time bandits had um michael palin and john cleese in it and um stuff like you know jabberwocky had members of monty python in it and Yellowbeard and oh yellow <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yellowbeard is a bit of a mess. Mm. Yeah, there there are also things like the you know, although I quote Yellowbeard, stumble, stumble, roll, stagger, 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 roll, 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 stumble. <laughs> That's how I describe getting home after an after party. What? Yeah, Yellowbeard is kind of a hot mess, like mm, you know yeah. many things. Oh, and Adventures in Baron Munchausen also had yeah. some Python mm, characters. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, Secret Policeman's Ball, you know, that series of live shows had Python involved. And, of course, Fish Called Wanda. Wanda and Fierce Creatures. And Fierce Creatures with, you know, with John Cleese and Michael Palin. And things like the TV series Ripping Yarns. Um, Faulty Towers with John Cleese. Yay, Faulty Towers. Yay. The Ruddles with Eric Idle. Nuns on the Run. Oddly enough. And Michael uh, Palin had that travel show. Yes. Oh, Around the World in 80 Days. Yeah, or something. Or something like that. Yeah. 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 I think it was based on that. And yeah, there's, there's a whole mess of stuff that they all branched out and did solo or, you know, with one or two other members. And recently, in like the last decade or so, they all kind of started coming back together to do some live shows. And I think kind of in the wake of people like Eddie Izzard you know, bringing them back together and Spamalot bringing them back together and, you know, well, perhaps, a, you know, getting some, you know, insurance in their retirement. Uh. <laughs> well, and it's a little, mm, the sense of mortality of we don't have that much longer to play it, with yeah. each other. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, they've already lost one of their own because yeah. Graham Chapman died in. He died. 89. So he died in 1989. It was very, very unfortunate. I mean, yeah. I, I know he suffered from alcoholism um, and it was um, very hard for him to deal with. Like you can actually see in episodes of Monty Python's Flying Circus, if you're watching for it, you can see him with the DTs because he shakes. Sure. Especially in like the Kamikaze Scotsman sketch where he's like trying to lay on the floor like a dead bug with his limbs in the air and he can't stay still. It's just, oh, 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 just don't, just, oh, don't, just don't even try. He died of spinal and throat cancer. Mm. He was also six foot four. Yes, he was very tall. And a remarkable also, actor. Also known as 
Graham Spam 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 Chapman. <laughs> that is what shows up in IMDb. <laughs> God bless you, IMDb. He, he was so talented. He, I think he was probably the best actor out of the lot of them. Oh, yeah. Because he could, he could play the straight man as well as yes. go for the silly. And and he he could bring that... Uh, he could bring a real gravity to the performance. I mean, that's why he was kind of the central character in yeah. both Holy Grail and Life of Brian. Yeah. He could actually act. <laughs> Are you besmirching the other talents of Monty Python? <laughs> Graham Chapman uh, studied medicine and actually got his MD and yeah. practiced medicine for a few years. They were all very, very smart gentlemen. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of smarts to make comedy that weird. Yeah. And like I said earlier, they were at either Oxford or Cambridge, you know. It, I mean, it helps to have money. To go to the yeah, other a little bit. yeah. <laughs> it also helps to, to live in England. Yeah, live in England and have money, but also they were very, very smart men. And we should um, also, you know, say a little bit about you know, kind of their supporting characters because he had Ian McNaughton, mm -hmm. who was you in know, a lot. Was well, he directed most of Flying Circus. You have Hazel Pethig, who was with them all the way, doing their costumes and doing all that amazing costuming work. Um, you have Carol Cleveland and Connie Booth, whenever they needed actual women, when they weren't playing them themselves. And, and of course, Neil Lannis, who would write a lot of their music and, you know, appear every once in a while, like in uh, Holy Grail mm -hmm. as the minstrel. So they had this whole ancillary cast around them as well that... That supported them. Okay. Sorry, this is what the IMDb yeah. has told me about Graham Chapman. He was openly gay yep. long before it was socially acceptable yep. and had a long-term relationship with David Sherlock for 24 years. Holy wow. cats. I didn't realize it was that long. He even adopted and raised a teenage runaway. Huh. In 1988, he began working on another um, series, but... Uh, he did suffer, his health began to decline. He was a longtime alcoholic who suffered liver damage before he stopped drinking in 1977. So he had been off the sauce for 11 years. Mm -hmm. But then they found a malignant tumor on his tonsil and then another tumor on his spine. And uh, the removal of that confined him to a wheelchair. So during most of 1989... He underwent a series of operations and radiation therapy, but for every tumor that was found, another would form, either in his spine or his throat. In his wheelchair, he attended the September 1989 taping for the Monty Python's 20th anniversary special. On October 1st, he was hospitalized after a massive stroke, which turned into a hemorrhage, and died on October 4th. So, yeah, he wasn't an alcoholic at the end. He had managed to turn his life around. But, but the damage was done. The damage was done. Mm -hmm. And, of course, everybody back then fucking smoked. Yeah. yeah. I remember a story about um, them doing a show. I think it was for, like, the Aspen Comedy Festival or something. So the rest of the Pythons, after Graham Chapman had passed away, came on stage to do a sketch with an urn filled with ashes of what they said were the ashes of Graham Chapman. And they proceed to do the sketch during which they tip over the urn. 
and it goes scattering across the stage. And they, they're like trying to proceed with the sketch while they're scrambling to pick up the dust and <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And and it's one of those things where it's I don't know if it was actually the ashes of Graham Chapman, but I'd like to think it was. Actually he probably would have thought that was the bomb. He, he yeah. probably thought it was great. I would and, like you to scatter my ashes on stage. And there was um another story of um John Cleese going up to do a eulogy at Graham Chapman's funeral. Yes. Where he goes up and starts doing the This Chapman is deceased. Bereft of life, he rests in peace. He has rolled up his tootsies and gone up to see his maker. And does the whole dead parrot sketch with Chapman. For, for Graham Chapman. Yeah. Because it's the perfect eulogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. That's the thing. When I die, motherfuckers better be laughing. Right? Oh, yeah. Because death is funny. Well, and Python taught me that it's okay to be irreverent about sacred things. Like death. Yeah. Like sad things. Like sex. Like yeah, anything that you think is important, like birth and the meaning of life and everything else. Crucifixion. Always look on the bright side. (laughs) It's okay. Jesus, savior, possibly comedy gold, though. (laughs) (laughs) Before we go on, I would like to ask for all of us, what's your favorite Python song? Ooh. Mine is mine is from The Meaning of Life when yeah, Eric always, Idle sings the universe song. Okay. I think it it's only slightly above Wendy's, but the the look on the bright side of life. I think it just it's upbeat and I can always be like, I'm gonna die anyways. Okay, let's sing. <laughs> I I have learned an inordinate amount of British history through Monty <gasps> Python. <laughs> that is true. And so my favorite one is the one that uses as its score Chopin, which is Oliver Cromwell, Lord Protector of England, Puritan, uh, born in 1599 and then 1658. September was at first only, etc. It goes on and on and on. And it's, it, I know a lot about Oliver Cromwell. As do I. Because of the song. I'd know more if I could figure out the words they were saying because I've never seen the lyrics and I my I think my hearing is slightly off because I, I I'm pretty sure I'm getting some shit wrong all right so we've been recording for a very long time it's your fault and just kind of wandering around it's I, true I, I I blame myself it's your well. fault it it totally is so Okay. We, I feel like we should wrap it up we should wrap it up all right so what we, do we know what have we learned from Monty Python Oh, I have learned to roll on even if I don't have a punchline. That's very mm-hmm. nicely stated. What about you, Mister? Well, I already said mine. I'm, I I learned to be irreverent about shit that I thought was important, and how letting that go has made my life so much easier mm-hmm. and better. And and you just have to fucking laugh sometimes because it, life is so fucking weird that you're never going to figure it out anyways. Mm-hmm. I've learned that comedy is in the moment. And if you're looking for a punchline, then you're not paying attention. Also, I am a gorilla. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> 
So Pleasure Dome recommendations. Tanya, I feel like you've shared one with us already that you need to share with our listeners. Which one? Stonehenge. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's this. Okay, so every... You may not have known about it. It's very appropriate to the topic. Okay, so there is this song called um, What Does the Fox Say by this... They're kind of like a comedy group, but they actually are really good at music and uh i can never remember their illness yeah their name is like y-l-i-v y-l it's something it's it elvish it's elvis El- elvish it's y-l-v-i-s yes that ilvis yes that so they have this other song that i discovered called stonehenge <laughs> oh look it up on youtube or better yet click through to the show notes because oh, we'll link it there we'll do that Jesus, it's amazing <laughs> Mm. Yes. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Wendy, what's yours? Oh God. Um. Did you ask the question without preparing your answer? I might have. Jack's yeah. pizza. <laughs> Drink. Are we? Okay. When in doubt, just suggest Jet's Jet's pizza. pizza. It's like Tourette's. <laughs> it's like Tourette's for the hungry. Jet's pizza. What? What just happened? I Terry Thomas? I don't know. Terry Thomas. Um, Terry Thomas actually, and, and, and Jet's Pizza. I don't know if I've recommended it on this show, but I'm actually going to recommend uh, Devil in the White City because Yay. you gave me that excellent book. If you like stories about, this is a book, so you're going to have to read it, people. I know it's a cinema podcast. Deal with it. If you like stories about um, architecture and history and serial killers, then this is the book for you. <laughs> I loved it because that is so the Venn diagram of my joy right there. Hmm. 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 What about you, Melissa? That is a very good book. It is a very good book. I loaned it to you. You did. <laughs> and then I bought it for Tim Wick because I knew he'd <gasps> like it. Oh, sweet. Oh, good. I, yeah, 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 I know. The gift yeah, that yeah, keeps yeah, giving, you yeah, give yeah, it for it. I love that's it. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Hmm. Do you, hmm, do you have hmm. something? Hmm. 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 I know, right? Zombies Run. The app? The app. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. It it encourages me to go running. Is I is mean, that the one where, where you're listening to music and then like they'll do little news clips that yeah. zombies are attacking and then like they'll play faster music and faster and faster and Oh they, yeah. Well it's not necessarily faster music. They'll they'll, you know, incorporate the you know ongoing plot line into your running and it's like oh there's zombies behind you you have to run faster (gasps) and And as you're listening to music you get a zombies 20 yards behind and you're like oh really and you're and then you start hearing (gasps) yeah because you're listening in your eye your little earbuds as you're running and you start hearing <laughs> and it gets closer and louder. Oh God, yeah. oh God. And if you do not pick up your pace, right? They'll catch you. They will catch you. And you find yourself because you can hear them getting louder in your earbuds. Oh, oh. And you're like, shit, I want to <laughs> run faster now. And the plot is really engaging because yeah, it is. it's about a an enclave. And it starts with they're they're going to meet a drop, but 
somebody, you don't know who, fires a surface-to-air missile and it takes down the helicopter and you're one of the helicopter survivors and you're met by somebody and they're like, I don't know about you. I feel like we have to trust you, but we don't know what was going on because who shot down the helicopter and maybe there's a mole, maybe another enclave is working against us. And so there's all this like shit going down and then they're also trying to track down like what started the zombie apocalypse. I'm I'm only at the beginning of season season two because mm-hmm. there are seasons yep there there are seasons and it's this ongoing plot arcs. line it is it is really remarkable it's like a it's, it's like a radio show that is made to help you exercise yes it's very really much remarkable. it's like a podcast yeah it's like a podcast it's like you're gonna listen to about five minutes of plot and then we'll play you a song or two of your of your running playlist yeah you can your pick, own music you pick your playlist that you want it to play and it's like okay we're done with the plot go listen to some music oh by the way you're while you're running maybe or maybe not some zombies start chasing you Mm-hmm. Or, oh my god, I'm being chased by zombies. Run faster! And it's like, boop, you need to run faster. Boop, you, and you're you're picking up stuff while you're running too. Like, oh, you just picked up uh, medical supplies. Oh, you just picked up some food. So what happens because they know they don't want you to die in the middle of the game. If you get caught, air quotes by the zombies, then you drop. Oh, like your yeah. your what you dropped the, what your, you picked up, yeah. Your supplies that you had gathered, but you want the supplies because after your run, you can go like help improve your town with the supplies you picked up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, it, it, and it, it turned... also becomes important as you yeah, it's like missions that you've gone through and you've picked up like this super important file that you need to find out what caused the zombie apocalypse. You don't want to get caught by zombies and drop the fucking file. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's just super great i like yeah, it I'm it so is glad pretty you great. discovered that yeah it's great. it's great yeah so give that a thumbs up all right listeners yep. we are down to the end of another episode of xanadu cinema pleasure dome oddly enough although this is an even numbered episode 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 we're ending more sober than how we started but it is 1 30 in the morning it is 1 30 in the morning on a tuesday night on a school night and seriously this is messed up melissa you are not helping with my life choices <laughs> i make poor life choices i have embraced this in my middle-aged i'm an they're boy. either poor life choices or awesome life choices depending on your viewpoint and whether or not you drank enough water before you went to bed so i would like to thank you listeners for being here with us while we talked about monty python films i have been wendy joined as always by my co-host melissa and our super special love boat guest star me tanya hi not charo tanya not now and we will talk to you next week dear listeners see you then Bye 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 Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.
Do you have any cheese at all? 